At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 50 of the Adam Shine Podcast, and it's great to be back with you. There's a lot going on in sports, a lot going on in the National Football League. We've got the perfect interview today. Dave Pash, who is just tremendous as a play-by-play voice. You know him, of course, with his work with Bill Walton on ESPN. He just did the tournament games on radio on Westwood One. He does the NBA on ESPN. He's the voice of the Arizona Cardinals. He graduated Syracuse. So many reasons to have Dave Pash as the feature guest this week on the podcast. So we will chop it up with Dave Pash. And trust me, you guys are going to absolutely love it. I appreciate all the nice words from the episode last week with the Shine Kids. They had an absolute blast. That was a a ton of fun. We took a great picture of the Shine family, the kids, Jolie, Maya, and Theo on the podcast. If you want to check it out on Instagram, at Adam Shine. That was absolutely tremendous. And by the way, Theo said he wants to come back on, on the podcast and go over who's the best player on every NBA team. His quote after the taping was, Dad, that was fun. Next time, let's do some NBA and the NFL. So he's officially got the the bug for sportscasting like his dad, which which I love. Listen, speaking of the NFL, the beat continues to roll on here in the offseason and free agency. And I have been a Dave Gettleman critic forever. I stand by every single word. He should have never been hired by the New York football giants. He has been for the most part, wretched at his job. The Giants have not made the playoffs since he has taken over as a general manager. But as we bring in our executive producer, Bob Stew, Bob, we gave a ton of credits on the radio show this week, and I'm going to do so now on the podcast where, listen, I think the Giants were smart to give Kenny Galladay a monster contract. He's legit number one. I love the Adoree Jackson signing that that defensive backfield for the Giants is now outstanding, but I can't crown them. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think the Cowboys and Washington better in the division, and it all goes back to the prior sins, in my opinion, of Dave Gettleman, starting with taking a running back in Saquon Barkley, and we destroyed that pick when they made it. With the second overall pick in the 2018 draft, I said on record at the moment, I would have picked either Sam Darnold or Quentin Nelson. You know, and not taking a quarterback, they had to reach on Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, his first two years in the league, 2019-2020, he has not shown anything in terms of being a legit starter, let alone a franchise quarterback. He turns it over way too much, so... Bob, I know a lot of people fell over when I gave Gettleman credit because I've rightly been light years ahead of the curve. I ripped the hire. I have ripped everything he's done. I've been right, but I do give Gettleman a ton of credit for what he did with Kenny Galladay and with Dory Jackson. 
I just give you credit for giving credit. But also, you've been <laughs> so ahead of the curve on this, Adam. I don't know how Dave Gettleman still has a job, to be honest. Nah. He's done a terrible job. You mentioned the drafts have been poor. Free agency, to me, has been even worse for Dave Gettleman. I agree with you, though, specifically for this free agency period. I like what the Giants did. I think the Kenny Galladay move is a great move. Hey, guess what? They finally replaced Odell Beckham. Oh, it only took a couple of years. But yeah, here you go, Daniel Jones. Here's your weapon. Here's your wide receiver. Kenny Galladay, he's going to be great with the Giants, especially because they have Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton. That's a pretty decent offense. Yes, it is. You have to give Daniel Jones a chance. This gives him a chance. At least they'll know what they have at quarterback finally. I like the Adoree Jackson signing too because I love Jabril Peppers. I think that's secondary. They got some dudes back there, and I love Blake Martinez, middle linebacker. He was phenomenal last season, but I agree with you, Adam. Washington and Dallas are better than the Giants, and it's kind of crazy to me that last year the Giants being in the playoff race, and I use that in air quotes because, I mean, they were in it the final week of the season. That kind of saved Dave Gettleman's job, which is ridiculous. If he was in any other division, he would have been long gone this year, Adam, long gone. Everyone kind of got duped because the Giants were playing for something week 17 until, of course, they weren't when Nate Sudfeld came in. But I agree with you. I think Washington is better. I think Dallas is better. I love what Washington did in the offseason. Washington's defense is ridiculous, adding William Jackson. Oh, man, what a great move. What a fantastic job by Riverboat Ron and company. I think Washington's the favorite to win the division. I know you're not the biggest fan of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I I hated that signing. I I love the Jackson move. I thought that was excellent. I love the Samuel move. I thought that was excellent. I'm not a Fitz guy. I mean, Bob, you know this. You're a Jets fan. There are moments of Fitz magic. There's Fitz tragic. I mean, even go back to 2015, he had that record-setting year for the Jets and then was dreadful when it mattered the most in Week 17 against Buffalo. I mean, there's a reason why he's been bouncing around. He's never made the playoffs. I'm with you. That Jackson move, he's a legit cover corner. I give Washington a ton of credit, but I'm actually surprised. I mean... Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a legit starter. Everyone likes him. He went to Harvard. He's super smart. He wears the funny shirts. You know, he was a great mentor for Tua. Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he's the answer, Bob, I'd love to know the question. I just feel bad for the guy, though. I mean, you mentioned the year with the Jets and Week 17 against Buffalo, and yes, that hurt me to the core, you mentioning that. The Jets won 10 games that year. They should have made the playoffs. How about the Dolphins last year? They should have made the playoffs, too. If they just gave Fitz a chance and played him a couple more times, they probably would have made the playoffs. I think Fitzpatrick is good enough where Washington can still win nine games and make the playoffs. And that's why I think it's a solid move. They just needed an upgraded quarterback. It's literally the only thing holding that team back from being great. I think they're good. They're good now with Fitzpatrick. And like you mentioned, Dallas, with Dak Prescott back, they're going to be better than the Giants, too. I mean, come on. Dallas hasn't done a lot in free agency, but hey, they get their best player back, which is Dak. Dak Prescott is going to have a monster year. We interviewed his agent, Todd France, on Shot on Sports, on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and getting that deal done. And they got everything that they wanted. And Dak's going to be back physically after he shattered his ankle. And, you know, he's ahead of schedule, and he'll be right mentally. Big key to me for Dallas, Bob, is going to be Ezekiel Elliott. And I think he'll bounce back. I mean, that, that trio at receiver is awesome. And now the Cowboys are in position where they can draft either the best player available on defense or 
a stud offensive lineman coming up in the first round of the draft. And, boy, they definitely need some help on defense. But it goes noted. We can debate Washington and Dallas. I rank it Dallas-Washington. You rank it right now Washington-Dallas. We both have the Giants in third. And it's funny. You Mm -hmm. referenced Odell before. That was one of the biggest screw-ups from Dave Gettleman. You know, the timing of everything. I was never of the opinion Odell was going to be a giant for life. But remember the whole timing where they felt as if they should have traded him a year before they did. The Patriots would have given up a first-round pick. Plus, you know, there was an opportunity to trade him before the year before. Instead, they didn't. Remember, he was, you know, throwing with Johnny Manziel in the (laughs) offseason. And and then they paid him all that money. We destroyed the contract. And then they traded him, poof, right after that. And you knew he was going to be a nightmare. Uh, you know, the media elite, the Mr. Mara suck-ups in the press. Oh, you had to pay Odell. No, you didn't. You had to trade. Everything Gettleman has done has been a failure. Look, I-, I will be open-minded here in my critique. But, you know, Galladay's a legit number one. I give him credit. You know, I'm a big Adoree Jackson fan, so that certainly has has been a a topic and and something that I wanted to make sure that we hit in terms of starting the podcast. You know, and also the Pittsburgh Steelers, another popular team. This offseason has been, Bob, a a flat-out bust. It's been terrible. Steven Nelson was just cut, and, you know, you might say, well, Adam, hold on. That's not that big a deal. Well, Steven Nelson was a really good corner for them, a solid player who started 30 games in the last two years after he signed a pretty big contract coming over from Kansas City. This now means five defensive starters from last year. Nelson, Bud Dupree, Alou Alou, Hilton, and Vince Williams are all off the Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't improve the offensive line. They don't have a running back. I said last year they were going to be 32 out of 32, and they were. Bringing back Roethlisberger, we've documented that. That was a disaster. And why are they bringing back Juju? Seriously, that was the only strength of the team. No one wanted Juju because he wants to be a TikTok star, and he wants to dance on logos, and no surprise that, you know, Galladay got paid, and Corey Davis goes to your Jets, and the Dolphins smartly wanted Will Fuller. I thought that was fantastic. You know, Juju going back to Pittsburgh, I would have rather seen them spend that money elsewhere. Defense, running back, offensive line. Now, you might say, well, they can still draft the running back, and there should be some good value at the end of the first round, you know, whether it's my guy Travis Entienne or Najee Harris. But a, a good team doesn't pigeonhole themselves in terms of a position. Look, if there's pass rush, they got to consider that. If there's a DB, they should be thinking best player on the board. You know, Roethlisberger shouldn't be on the team. This is why we begged them, don't make the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. This is why we said Miami would win a playoff game after that trade before Pittsburgh. They haven't won a playoff game since. They haven't won a playoff game in four years. Steelers defense going to be the third worst in the division. Love what Cleveland did, bringing in Johnson for the DB from the Rams. I thought that was a great move. Baltimore is obviously better. Bob, I think these Pittsburgh Steelers, once again, are on a road to nowhere. You know me. I'm a lot higher on the Steelers than you've ever been. I liked them a lot last year. But you saw what happened when Bud Dupree went down last year, and now he's gone. And they've lost even more defensive players, more departures. 
It's officially time to worry. Even I'm worried about the Steelers. Look, I didn't like the Browns at all last year. I mean, everybody's heard that on the podcast, on the show. I thought their strength of schedule was a joke. They lost to some terrible teams like the Jets down the stretch. But you mentioned John Johnson. That's a great upgrade in the secondary. They added Troy Hill. That's a great upgrade in the secondary. Cleveland is going to be better. They're going to be better than last year. And the Ravens, probably the same. They might get a little bit worse, but come on. They still got Lamar Jackson. They still have an incredible offense. You mentioned the Bengals. The Bengals are not going to be worse either. They're only getting better. Joe Burrow will get more comfortable. I'm excited to see what they do in the draft. The Steelers, if you're a fan of this team, you have to worry because your quarterback's not getting any younger. Your offense is not getting any better. And your defense, which was incredible the first 11 games of the season, it's just not going to be great this year. It might be good. It might be above average. That's not going to be enough to carry you in the AFC North. The AFC North is one of the top two divisions in the entire league. So, yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, Adam. If you're a Steelers fan, oh, baby, it might be a tough year coming up. The great Dave Pash is the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast, and Dave joins us next. Hello, everyone. This is Bruce Murray, and I'd love you to join me on my podcast, Going Long, where every week we talk to the sports stars themselves, like NFL Hall of Famer Brett Favre. I was probably better at baseball than I was football. And the people that love them, like TV legend George Wendt. I thought about changing to be a Cub fan as a career move. And sports casting icon Linda Cohen. I never thought I'd still be doing it at this point in time. You can listen to Going Long every Thursday on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine Podcast, one of the best play-by-play voices in all of TV and radio sports, my guy, fellow Syracuse grad, the great Dave Pash. Dave, how are you? Adam, I'm great, and it's a pleasure and an honor to be on the Adam Shine Podcast. Oh, there we go, Dave. There we go. And there are so many reasons, so many timely reasons to have you on the podcast this week, but... I want to go back to 1999. You are the newly named voice of the Syracuse Orange. I just graduated college, and I'm doing a local radio show in Syracuse, the afternoon show on WHEN Radio, and doing a post-game show as well. And Jim Beheim has twins. And one of the kids is this little child named Buddy. Everyone calls him Buddy. Could you ever imagine in 1999... That Jim Beheim's son, Buddy, would become this kind of player and lead our alma mater to the Sweet 16. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny you ask me this because I was trying to think of the timeline. I actually went and looked up the, the date of birth for Buddy and then was trying to think of everybody, you know, what everybody was doing then. You're right. I had just gotten hired. I was in the middle of the first football season. Um, and when, when Julie got pregnant with the twins, I remember when Buddy was born. Uh, Mike Hopkins was on the staff. Troy Weaver, I think, was just about to, to be hired. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, a year when Jason Hart, who's now an assistant at USC, was a player on the team. Um, and I, I remember when, they, when Julie gave birth to the twins, and I remember that one of the son's names was Buddy, and then and I was around the, 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 the program for the next couple of years until I left to go to Arizona. So, again, I kind of remember him as a toddler, but that was it. And then all of a sudden, 
right? He's one of the stars of the NCAA tournament and one of the biggest stories with him and his dad. I mean, it's just, it's so cool, but it made me feel so old as I'm sure it did you when you were trying to think back of the timeline of everything. And it's funny because I'm glad you said that because I went back and did the same thing because you want to make sure you're not losing it, right? Well, I remember, you know, it happened to be the year I graduated and started the radio show and random things you remember. I remember I interviewed Jim shortly after the twins were born. And, and I said to him, and this was at a time, Tommy Amaker was dominant recruiting for Seton Hall. And I ended the interview by making a joke that Tommy was going to recruit Jackson, his buddy's real name, recruit Jackson already. And, and he kind of, you know, gave me a classic Jim Beheim response. So, Buddy's been on the radar for a long time, but Dave, just as a simple pleasure for the two of us, I mean, we've known Jim for a long time, and, you know, we we both have very good relationships with him. I'm just so happy for Jim, so happy for Buddy. What an amazing run. I've interviewed both on, on the radio show this past week. I mean, this is just a really cool thing for Syracuse basketball. And, and I don't think – I think this is just the beginning for Buddy Beheim. I don't think this is just a neat story that will be packaged and, uh, and, and closed in, in 2021. I, I've heard the comparison a lot to Duncan Robinson. I, I think it's legit. I, I think he's got a chance to, to play basketball at a high level for a long time. When you do what he's doing right now at this level with the spotlight on him to deliver the way he has – uh, it's it's got everybody's attention, and it's it, again. It's you talked about Coach Beheim, and, and I remember, you know, Jim when you know the, the kids were so young that it, it was all basketball and golf, right? You go right, and right. You, I I do my pregame interview with Coach Beheim, and it would be back in his office, and golf would be on TV, and it was you know we talk about golf, and we talk a little bit about basketball, it was a lot about golf, and a lot about other things. And, you know, he had kids, but it wasn't, but now all of a sudden he's, you know, got newborn kids. And at, at this time, you know, what, he's in his 50s at this point. So it just yeah. was, um, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, Coach Beheim, you know, he's, he's starting over again. But it's just so neat to see their relationship and how close they are and the embrace that was shown on TV the other night and um, the interview they did on Dan Patrick together. It just is really, really uh, a cool story, and it's so great for Syracuse, uh, just given how much Coach Beheim has meant to the program. I mean, he is the program. Yeah. He's He's been the face of that program for 50 years, and so to have his son be a big part of what could be a run to a championship is just really cool. It really is, and when Jim said this week that, you know, he couldn't sleep, and when we had him on the show, on uh, he couldn't sleep on Sunday night thinking about what his son accomplished. I mean, that's about as, as great as it gets. And then when we had Buddy on this week and he's saying how his dad's his best friend, I mean, it's real. And I, I love your take on the comparison with Duncan Robinson. And every time Buddy shoots, as I said to him, you think you think it's going in. He's He's just been on fire. And it's been an amazing story and one that you can celebrate and I can celebrate. Dave, Pac-12 basketball. This is another great story here in the NCAA tournament. Did you see this happening in terms of the teams in the conference going this far in the NCAA? 
Well, I, I did as much as I kind of joke, you know, with my partner, Bill Walton, you know, I, 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 I thought there was a chance that you could get several teams this far. UCLA is really well coached. They play hard. Jaime Jaquez is extremely talented. Johnny Juzang, the transfer from Kentucky, is very talented. But they, they lack depth because of injuries, and one of the players about midseason walked away from per, uh, for personal reasons. So I wasn't sure, especially with that first four matchup with Michigan State, that UCLA would be able to get this far. I thought Oregon would. I, I just Because I, I thought all along they were a top-15 team. Chris Duarte is uh, a terrific player. Dana Altman seems always get better as the season goes on. And USC is so talented and they play such great defense that I, I thought they had a chance. Oregon State's obviously the big surprise. I did the Pac-12 title game and just watching them, the way they play defense, it's really neat. You know, you talk about the tie-in with Syracuse, Stevie Thompson, who's an assistant on the staff. His son, Ethan, is, uh, I, I think, giving himself a chance to play in the NBA with what he's done here in the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. So um, I, I think the next step is in order to get the respect of the national media, you got to get at least one into the final four. You had Oregon a few years back, but the last couple of years had been disastrous in the NCAA tournament. And that's why I think a big reason why they weren't ranked. And I know you could talk about you know some of the other tools that are used uh, to come up with your top 25 and obviously to come up with these seedings for the NCAA tournament. But clearly a lot of people slept on the Pac-12 when they shouldn't have. But, you know, it's one thing to get to the Sweet 16. Uh, not many people are going to remember that next year. But if you get one or two into the Final Four, now you've got a chance to kind of restore order and get people back on board with the Pac-12 like they were, you know, two decades ago or even 15 years ago when you, know, you had at least two or three teams that were a threat to go to the Final Four out of that league every year. Listen, I love what you said about Oregon and USC, and I echo that. And after the brackets came out, I, I had them advancing to the Sweet 16. I, I love Andy Enfield. You know, Jason Hard, a former Syracuse point guard, obviously, you reference him. You know, I love what they brought to the table at, at USC. Oregon is so well coached. I, I thought that they would take care of business against Iowa. Do you think the winner of that game, Dave, can give Gonzaga – a team that I think is head and shoulders above the rest. Can the Oregon USC winner give Gonzaga a ball game? It's a great question. I just saw Gonzaga in the first and second round in person, and yep. it's they reminded me of the Vegas teams of the early '90s with just how they play together and how dominant they've been. Uh, to win what 25 in a row by double figures is incredible. I know that. You know, all the 25 of those games weren't against the best competition, but they're still playing some good teams in there. Um, I, I think Oregon has a chance because they're similar with how they play together. They have a lot of interchangeable parts, um, but it's asking a lot. I, I just think this Gonzaga team, I, I thought Illinois maybe had a chance, Baylor maybe, but I just don't see it. I, I think you know, Gonzaga is going to win the whole thing. But Oregon, to me, probably has a chance to make it a game. Well, let me hit on some, a couple of things you just said about Gonzaga, because you're not subject to exaggeration or hyperbole. I, I, I think this is one of the best college basketball teams I've seen, seriously. And the, and the record says it. You watch them. 
I mean, watching their talent is unbelievable. Their chemistry. I had Adam Morrison on the radio show. He said it's clearly the most talented team that Mark Few has ever had. Your comparison to the UNLV teams, I mean, I get it. I agree with it. You just saw them up close and personal. What makes this Gonzaga team so special? They're 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 elite offensively because of how fast they play, how well they play together. Um, they play for each other. It's that's a cliche, but it's so true when you watch them. You know, Jalen Suggs is a top five pick, and he's their third leading scorer. Uh, he's their third best player. I mean, he was in foul trouble in the first round. I know they played a 16 seed um, in the second round. Um, there were other players that were in foul trouble. I mean, Joel Ayayi is, you know, I think an NBA player. And, you know, again, he's like your fourth best player. So you think back to those UNLV days when you had Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogman and Anderson Hunt and Greg Anthony. You, you had guys that were, uh, many of those guys were NBA players that, you know, sacrificed a lot to win and to play together and, um, I, I see the same thing with Gonzaga. I mean, when you shoot 55% for the third straight year, or whatever it's been leading the country in shooting, um, and for them, to, they're going to have to have an, a really off night, um, but they're so good defensively that I, I just don't know that you can expect both, where they have a bad night and the other team shoots lights out, because that is the only thing in my mind that's going to keep Gonzaga from going undefeated. I love that, and I love that comparison. And you're right about that team chemistry, and that's something that Morrison said as well. So uh, that's great stuff. Dave, you, you have done so much in your career, and you obviously are, are broadcasting at the highest level on, on ESPN. And yet the thing you're probably most known for is being the play-by-play voice who works with Bill Walton. It is always entertaining. It's always a wild ride. How do you characterize this unbelievable chemistry that you have with one of the all-time greats? Uh, I'm not sure that we do have chemistry. I don't know. It depends depends on who you ask. Um, Look, it's, it's challenging, but it's fun. Um, Bill, we, we all know is one of the greatest players of all time. He is very unique very entertaining, very funny. He's not everyone's cup of tea. I, I realize there are people that probably watch that they, you know, they, they turn the sound down. You know, if you ask if you pulled every coach in the PAC 12, you'd, you'd find some, I just did a zoom call at Brad Stevens. And the first thing out of Brad's mouth is, Oh, I bet Bill is all fired up about the conference of champions. That's um, awesome. And yet, you know, if you, you know, other coaches, I won't name them, aren't really thrilled with, with Bill. You know, he asked one of the coaches the other day on a Zoom if uh, the transfer portal was like Tinder, where you just <laughs> swept uh, left or right to pick a player. You know, and, and some coaches laugh at that because it's Bill, and others, you know, are trying to – they're in game mode, and so they don't want to answer. It's, it's – uh, but uh, we have fun. It's been nine years. It's been enjoyable. I hope it, I hope we keep going. It's uh, because, look, this guy, you know, he's a living legend. And, you know, you think about what he did as a player. Um, and then you think about his broadcast career. Yeah. And, you know, all of the things he does, he, he, he's very involved in his community. He has people living at his house all the time. <laughs> um, 
he's just uh, he, he's he, he's a, a, an amazing wonder that uh, um, I, I hope is doing this for the for the next twenty years. Do you ever have to change how you prep? And, and I know how much you know how prepared you are and how detail oriented you are, and you know that shows in everything that you do. You know, you you could almost take a lot of the prep, I'm sure, and just throw it out the window when you're working with Walton because who knows what's going to happen next. So do you at all change your approach and how you attack a game when you work with Bill? Well, two things on that. First of all, he definitely saves me some prep time because most of the stuff that I would prep won't get in, won't get on air. Um, And then, yes, so I I think the key is you've got to focus on documenting the game because – if I try, I mean, you got to kind of decide when you're going to play along, when you're going to redirect, when you're going to bring it back to the game, and you have to be careful with how you do that because the last thing you need is two builds. You right. can't have two guys that are off the rails. So you, you got to focus on doing the game. But, look, we don't talk a lot before the game. There's no discussion about, hey, you say this and I'll say that, or, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. It's completely spontaneous. He does come up with new things to kind of – get me on every single year. Um, this year it was like the daily wager, you know, the show on ESPN that right, uh, he claims right. that, uh, you know, that I just, all I do whenever I bring up somebody's three point shooting percentages that I'm betting on fantasy sports. And um, so, you know, I'm on the daily wager, I guess. And he put uh, on his backdrop uh, for his home broadcast, he has a cutout of my head on the host of daily wager. So that was kind of the shtick this year. But again, it's not like he asks me what I think. He just does it. So uh, I would say, again, the biggest thing with, with him is you just you, you got to pick your spots of kind of when to play along and then when to redirect. Fascinated to get your take on the Arizona Cardinals, where you are the outstanding radio voice of this football team. And, you know, there was a lot of movement, a lot of activity, players leaving, players coming. I think that the Arizona Cardinals had a heck of an offseason. I I love the J.J. Watt move. We talked to Steve Kime about that. I think J.J. has gas left in the tank. And opposite of a healthy Chandler Jones, to me, that's a big deal. I still can't believe the Rodney Hudson move. I thought that was superb. I think A.J. Green has kind of had the Bengals flu. Needed to get out of Cincinnati. And I think that was an excellent move by, by Arizona. Now, some signature players did leave on defense. What did you see when you look at what transpired this offseason in Arizona? Well, I think the biggest thing, Adam, was they, they had to, you know, they're in the process of building a culture, so they had to add to the leadership in the locker room. And Rodney Hudson automatically does that. You get a great player. You get a player at a position that is the closest position to the quarterback that has the most interaction with the quarterback um, obviously in every single play you've got someone that is going to challenge Kyler to continue to grow mature get better and I think that's another reason for the AJ Green and the JJ Watt signings clearly they're banking on them being productive but I think it's also about strengthening that locker room you look at the end of last year they're eight and six. First of all they were six and three after the Hail Mary most teams you know that's a springboard the Cardinals, you know, unfortunately didn't play as well after that. You know, they finished two and five. They lost at home to San Francisco to a backup quarterback. They lose to the Rams on the last day of the season to a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, in a game where if they win, they make the playoffs. So it was a disappointing end of the year. 
And they, they needed to do some things to, to improve, again, the leadership in the room. So I think, I think when Steve set out and said, okay, you know, obviously we need to get better players, but hey, we, we really got to work on this locker room. And I, I think they did that. I think they did an excellent job of that. Now, you referenced losing to the backup quarterbacks. Those, those losses were kind of mind-numbing from my perspective. I still can't believe they lost the, the New England game. I, I thought the Arizona Cardinals were absolutely going to make the playoffs. Was there one loss that was a little bit more frustrating than the other from, from your vantage point? I mean, I, I was floored how Arizona played, Dave, down the stretch of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the New England game was just, was frustrating, but I still think it was that second-to-the-last game, the home game against San Francisco. Um, you know, you're 8-6. You're and six, you, you win one of the last two. You're, you're in the playoffs, and you're home. And San Francisco, that was their second home. I mean, they, they've been on the road. They've had to play these games at State Farm Stadium because of the rules in Santa Clara. Um, so, I mean, you, you, you've, you've got a team that, you know, it's probably just thinking, man, I just can't wait till the season's over so we can go home. And the Cardinals didn't play well and lost the game. That that was the one to me, you know, the, the one at the end of the year against the Rams. You know, it's still a playoff team you're playing, uh, even though Jared Goff didn't play in that game and Kyler Murray got hurt in that game. But it, it was that San Francisco game. That that was That was shocking. It really was. I was floored by that, no question about it. Now, all your work you do on ESPN, your NBA calls are always fantastic. And, you know, this Western Conference, Dave, is going to be fascinating down the stretch of the season. Lakers, to me, are in some real trouble with LeBron Hurts and no Anthony Davis now. Obviously, they're both injured at the same time. Utah, to me, has been the best team in the NBA all year. I love watching the Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams, a gem. Chris Paul has really taken that team to a different level. I think Booker is is a star. How do you think this is going to play out in the Western Conference down the stretch of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's all, all about the health of LeBron and AD. If they're healthy, I, I think, and I, I asked both, because we got Celtics, Bucks. I, I asked both. Brad Stevens and Mike Budenholzer, the two coaches, are, are coaches more hesitant to push star players who are a little banged up maybe, pushing them to play, um, or, or pushing guys who want to play that maybe aren't 100%, just, hey, you know what, take another game because of the uniqueness of this season combined with the uniqueness of last season. Mm. you got all these star players that are getting hurt. Uh, more so it feels like than ever. And the Lakers have said all along, we're going to be careful. We're going to be smart. And I think as long as those guys are close to 100% going into the playoffs, they're still the team to be. Clearly without, I mean, I did a few games when AD and, and, and Dennis Schroeder were both out and they didn't win one of them. They were, they were awful. Um, you know, losing LeBron now for however long he's going to be out. I mean, you just have to stay above water. I mean, I think with the Lakers, as long as they're in the top six, they're fine. You know, they can't fall in. You don't want to fall into that play-in situation. But I, even if they – I mean, home court, you know, doesn't really matter right now. I, I know you got to travel. But still, I think even if the Lakers finish sixth in the West, which I don't think will happen, I still think that's the best team. The two teams you mentioned are very interesting in Utah and Phoenix. I think the Suns right now are the surprise team in the league. I mean, Utah was good last year. Uh, the Suns 
can they in the playoffs win? You know, Devin Booker's never played in the playoffs. DeAndre Ayton hasn't played in the playoffs. So I, I still think there are some questions around them. They've been fantastic, though. The Clippers are the one that I still can't quite figure out. Yeah. Uh, they were not good in the bubble, and they've been up and down this year. I mean, their games were both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play, and they lose. So I, I don't know what to make of the Clippers. And because of all those things I just mentioned, I still think the Lakers are the team to be when healthy. Wow. And I say you can't argue against that when you start going through it in terms of the pros and the cons and the positives and the negatives. It's going to be fascinating to see when those guys get back and what place they happen to be in. Dave, before we let you go, you know, obviously a lot of things were canceled, postponed in the middle of a pandemic in, in 2020, including the WAER Hall of Fame induction where Nick Wright's going in, you're going in, I'm going in, part of the WAER Hall of Fame class, our college radio station. I graduated, as I mentioned earlier, in, in 99. You graduated in, in 1994. You know, I, I've said before to the audience, to me, that is the ultimate honor, understanding the the history and tradition of Syracuse and Newhouse and WAER. What was your reaction when you found out that you were going into the Hall of Fame at WAER? I'm with you, Adam. I mean, I was surprised. I I, I was surprised to get in, uh, just given all the people that are in the Hall of Fame and all the people that will be in the Hall of Fame who've worked at WAR. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's the reason I went to Syracuse was to work at that station. And, you know, what's different now is, you know, when I went there, it you know, talk shows and personality TV shows weren't popular they weren't even around so yeah. i went for play by play and the people that were in the hall of fame and the people that i looked up to uh were play by play announcers well now you have outstanding hosts broadcasters like yourself like nick wright who are aer legends as well so it's kind of neat how obviously the business has changed and how waer is producing not just play by play announcers or um, even just radio hosts, but the, the personality-driven stuff. I mean, I love listening and watching you. I think Nick's excellent. There, there are other – I mean, what Scott Hansen and Andrew Siciliano do mm-hmm. um, with the NFL and how they do it, I mean, that's different. It's anchoring, but it's, you know, anchoring in a different way where you're just – you're. It's, it's like you're doing a game. You're bouncing around doing the red zone stuff. So – it's just cool to see how the business has changed, but how WAR continues to produce uh, great broadcasters. So I'm I'm just honored to to be going in with you and, and Nick. It's pretty awesome. I, I echo that completely, my friend Dave. Love watching you. I'm so proud of you. Your success, no surprise. You are one of the best who's ever done it behind the play-by-play microphone, doing all these different sports. Keep up the great work, and as always, we appreciate the time. And I'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds great, Adam. Anytime. Thanks. Dave Pash with us on the Adam Shine Podcast. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Dave Pash, sensational. Bob Stew, incredible. Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM, our listeners on Pandora. Thank you to our listeners on Apple Podcasts and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my uh, SiriusXM radio show, Channel Sports, which airs 
from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening and talk to you again real soon. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.